Hello and welcome to the 12th edition of Razorbackology Talks. I am here with Bobby Wernis. Bobby, how are you doing today? I am awesome, Ben. Thank you so much for having me on. So for the fans that, you know, have have short memory, uh, Bobby was our third baseman from 2014 to 2015. Uh, was a part of the unbelievable Omaha's team in 2015 that made the trip to Omaha, made the all-SEC defensive team. Um, talk about a, a little bit about that run you guys had in 2015 and, and kind of what made that team special. And then kind of a secondary question, how does that team kind of compare to this team that we're watching today? Yeah, I think um... – yeah, 2015 team. I mean, really, and I don't know, you know, the the age of most of your listeners, so I don't know if anyone really remembers. I mean, that was several years ago now, but like, we weren't any good. Like we we struggled. We were we were a 500 ball club for a lot of that year, and we kind of caught fire towards the back half of the uh, the SEC team or SEC series that is. So I guess to answer your question about how that team compares to this one i mean this this team is is much more there's much more depth i mean this team's loaded compared to that 15 team um the 15 team just got hot at the right time you just have kind of people fall into uh fall into their roles especially with the bullpen you kind of learn what you have uh, with uh, zach jackson and he was just kind of um he just kind of ended up being the seven eight nine and sometimes it happened all three games in a weekend he was just unbelievably durable and uh, obviously, Ben Attendee, like he catches fire, and uh, you know, you get him five ABs a game. Good things are going to happen. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of comparing the two teams, there isn't really a comparison. Like that 15 team is significantly less talented than uh, this 21 team, um, which is a bunch of guys that loved each other and like really played hard and uh, caught fire at the right time. And and you're kind of in a rare um, rare situation where you played under Coach Dave Van Horn in 14 and 15, and now it's 2021. You're our first base coach, and and you're obviously coaching under him and learning from him. So, kind of compare the two. Like, what what did you learn? I guess as a player under him, and kind of what are you learning now as a coach under him when you get to be in the dugout, you know, next to him, and and you're not wearing, you know, the playing jersey and the playing cleats, and you're not you're not out there with a glove, and you're just learning from him as a coaching standpoint. Kind of how have you been able to learn uh, differently through those? Yeah, that's a really good question. I guess the easiest answer is you just kind of get like uh, the curtains pulled back as a coach. You kind of you kind of get to see a, the method to the madness, so to speak. Um, as a player, I don't think you understand a lot of the decisions he makes or kind of his choices, which is by design. And a lot of that is probably just youthful ignorance. Like you, you don't know any better either. Um, but, you know, the older I am now and just getting to getting to see him or getting the coach alongside him. Um, I just, everything he does has a purpose and it's just, yeah, as a player, you, you, you don't really understand the purpose, but now, um, he's just very thoughtful and very meticulous. I think with everything he does and all of his decisions, whether it's, you know, with administrators, with, um, you know, even like between the lines, decision-making, just like that whole, the whole gambit, I guess, is just, it's, it's really impressive to, to be able to witness and kind of be a part of. So what's kind of your day-to-day um, role right now? I mean, we see you as the, the first base coach and um, just kind of like what else, what, what, what all are you guys doing in between games and uh, I guess in, in your role specifically? And I also kind of want to talk about the, 
the third paid assistant coach ruling that the NCAA Division One Council turned down, and kind of how that was uh, how that was a big deal, and kind of want to get your thoughts on that too. Yeah, no. Um, all right, that's a loaded question. So I guess like first, like a day to day, I think uh, like in the fall is radically different than the spring. Like in the fall, it's all about you know the practice plan, the uh, getting the most out of your guys on that day from a development standpoint. Um, so that has uh, that's obviously very time consuming. I guess where we're at now, it's just it's a ton of just scouting like our upcoming opponent. So like for this week, it's just dumping a ton of time into Florida, and uh, yeah, I mean we're gonna have our hands full. That's a really really good ball club. Um, so yeah, I think it just as a coaching staff, it's just a ton of uh, scouting of the, the the upcoming opponent for the week, as well as planning the practice stuff for that day. Which in the spring, the practices are a lot shorter and it's a lot more of kind of fine tuning stuff, whereas fall it's, it's longer practices and you kind of, uh, honestly, you just get to do a lot more just from like developing players standpoint, whereas in spring you kind of have what you have and it's more tweaking. Um, so I guess that answers your question in terms of the day to day. It's just a lot of early mornings and a lot of late nights of just making sure, you know, we've gathered all the information that was going to help us win baseball games and, uh, delivering it to our guys in a, um, in an effective and clear manner that they can, they can use the information that we have. Um, and yeah, I guess in terms of the third assistant ruling, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough blow for sure for our sport. Um, college baseball has lost a lot of really good coaches to professional baseball because of, because of that ruling, because that that's not a, uh, that's not an option. Um, I guess uh, how I view it personally is like, I'd, I, I'm so lucky to be able to coach here. Like I'm not a victim of, of this rule by any means. I, uh, I get treated really well here and obviously getting to get into coach at the university of Arkansas is a dream of mine. Um, but that's, that's not the case at, at, at all universities. Um, you know, there are some people that are really, really heavily affected by this. Um, you know, it's just, it's just kind of handicapping, uh, handicapping the sport in my opinion. You know, there's, there's plenty, probably the majority of universities, uh, can't afford to do this. And uh, the ruling was just going to be to give each school the option to. So it wasn't even going to force any schools to do it. And it was still um, voted down. So it's it's disappointing. And everyone within the sport is optimistic that it's going to be passed at some point. Um, so it's just kind of a wait and see, which uh, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, I definitely. I remember the, the Twitter outrage from a lot of college baseball mm-hmm. analysts. And I mean, from the outside world, it, it feels like I mean, it looks like you know you guys put in a lot of time and, and effort into your ball clubs, and for 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 you guys just to have the volunteer title feels kind of like a slap in the face. But I, I always wonder if it goes back to like the publicity of college baseball, and I mean the sport is obviously growing, but it it also has a lot of room to to grow for people. And I mean, I don't know if it's ex- exposure or just the entertainment factor, or I mean here in Fayetteville, like. We've, we've loved college baseball for many, many years. Um, for sure. I don't know if, I don't know if that has a, has a factor in it, but I would, I wouldn't be shocked if in the next few years they, they come back to that ruling and it ends up with a different outcome. Yeah. I mean, I think college baseball is in probably the best place now that it ever has been. Um, especially with this, uh, this most recent draft being only five rounds because of COVID. I mean, you have some absolutely loaded baseball teams because their their best players uh, didn't get drafted or they, they price themselves out of it. Um, 
I mean, you just look around the league and just the, yeah, the talent, the depth is probably the best it's ever been. And a lot of that is because of that shortened draft. So yeah, to your point, I think college baseball is just becoming more and more popular. And I mean, this year, especially it's just, there's a lot of really good players. Um, so I hope you're right. I hope in a few years or whenever the vote, I don't even know when the next, uh, the next vote is, it may be 2022. Um, but yeah, we get that passed. Uh, we get that passed for our sport. So let's go back to to after you guys finished up in Omaha in fifteen, and and kind of going through the draft process, and eventually you got picked up in the thirtieth round by Houston. Uh, kind of go through your emotions of, you know, leading up to the draft, and then going through the draft process, and just waiting to hear your name called, and were you having workouts with teams beforehand? Were were you getting phone interviews and just kind of talk about how that whole transition was going for you. Yeah. So I guess, um, I guess early on my junior year, that 2015 year, I guess middle, middle of the year, I started getting, um, getting some traction. There was plenty of questionnaires, a couple interviews here and there. So I kind of thought that this was, there was a real shot of this happening which after my sophomore year, I mean, my sophomore year on an individual basis, like I struggled. So to even think that I was going to have a, a chance the next year was kind of uh, kind of mind blowing. I don't think I would have believed you if I, um, if you would have told me that um, after my sophomore year, but um, yeah. So I, I think the, that kind of, there was like a lot of uh, questionnaires, interviews to where I thought like this, this could happen um, from an individual standpoint, kind of that back half of the year, I tailed off a little bit in terms of production. So that stuff's kind of started quieting down to the point where I didn't know if I would get drafted. Um, and if I didn't, there was, I had no problem coming back for my senior year, obviously. Um, so the timing of the draft was um, right after the Super Regional. And I didn't have an agent at the time or anything. So, you know, some of the the, the big time uh, picks have, uh, for example, Ben Attendee had his advisor at the time. So he does it in terms of, uh, negotiate or anything. He doesn't really have to do any of that, but, uh, being a 30th round draft pick, you're kind of doing that on your own. Um, so shoot the draft is, so we beat Missouri state in the super regional. So it's between the super regional and Omaha is when the draft is happening. Um, and I just remember that being special. Like I didn't really want to have to worry about it. Like we're about to go to Omaha. I just kind of want to just focus on that. Um, so I was just talking with, uh, the Houston scout, and he asked me how many teams were involved. And I said, yeah, there's a few that I think are really interested in me, which was a total lie. It was just Houston. I just hoped that maybe that was going to help me get my name called. Um, and I didn't want him to know that he was the only option. Um, I'll never forget. I'm just sitting in my living room uh, and I get a text like for the price you want. Like, do you, you, you want to sign? And is this going to be what you want to do? And I say yes. And I'm constantly refreshing Twitter and, my name pops up and I just, it was a really cool moment that, you know, I'll remember, I'll remember my whole life. I want to, I want to, there's a couple things about just the, the sport of college baseball that I feel like could be changed here or there. One of them is kind of what you mentioned. Now, why on earth do they have the MLB draft right in the middle of the re super regionals in Omaha? And I understand like if we were, if we were baseball fans slash in your case, player coach for a different school that maybe didn't go to Omaha and didn't have the regional super regional presence like Arkansas does. And maybe it would make sense like, Oh, our year's over. We didn't make it to a regional. Now it's time for the draft, but it feels like for Arkansas, it affects us every year. And 
I'm not a college baseball player, but I would assume that it, it could potentially mess a little bit with your mentals and you're, you're trying to focus on the team, but then there's, you know, thousands of dollars being flown around and, and your name's potentially getting called. Yeah, I, I feel like that's something that could be fixed within the sport, um, but I understand only eight teams make it to Omaha, so 95% of the NCAA is, is done playing, but do you think that could be something where they can move it back a couple weeks? Yeah, I think that's a that's a valid point. Um, I always remember a story, and I don't I don't remember the exact team, but it was like it's a team playing in a super regional, and the dude finds out he gets drafted. Like it, it's a it's a nine one draft pick, and he's like finds out as he's walking to the plate. And so like I just always think of that like how sickening. Like you don't really get to enjoy the moment, and then are you really thinking about the game while it's happening? So yeah, to your point, you'd love to think um, there's a solution uh, that would appease all parties. And I think this year that's happening. So with COVID, I do believe, and I don't know the exact date off the draft, off the top I have the draft, I should, but I believe it is after Omaha. I believe they have pushed it back to July. Um, I think as an op or as a preventative measure, I guess, to evaluate players more uh, because of COVID, they weren't able to, uh, to see as much um, over, the, over the last 12 months. So I do not think that's an issue this year. Will they leave the draft out? Uh, that uh, late next year, I don't know. I don't know if they've dis- uh, discussed that or come to a conclusion. The only, uh, I guess the only pushback on the pro side, and I don't know how big of a constraint it is, but you just have less time on the back end to negotiate a contract. Um, so I think from the benefit of the pro side is they want the draft early. So they have months to months, I say months, I think about a month to negotiate the signing bonus or whatever the further you push the draft back, the, um, the less time you have to do that. Yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. And for this year, it's, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, moving the draft back and having it after Omaha. But I want to yeah. talk about, you were in the minor leagues for a few years. I feel like every minor leaguer has their own special minor league story. And um, I, was, I was a bat boy in the Northwest Arkansas Naturals for the AA for the Royals for a little bit. And, and you know, it's, it's, I feel like in the minor leagues is one of those things. If, if you're not directly involved with it, there's, there's a lot of things that, that go, go on that just kind of could blow your mind. Um, but do you have any uh, wild stories from, from being a minor leaguer? Oh, my gosh. I, think, I mean, the there's food. definitely a lot of wild stories that I don't know if are appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> Um, no, it's just, I guess the whole, just the whole experience was just so awesome and difficult. And I just, I'm so happy I got to do it. Really what it did is it made me appreciate playing at Arkansas so much more. Because I mean, playing at Arkansas is the closest thing to the major leagues that you're going to get without actually going. I mean, you're flying on a charter jet everywhere you go. You're getting more meal money than you need. You're getting great food just the, it's just a first class experience you're playing in front of 12,000 fans that know your name you know you're going out to get groceries at Walmart and people know your name like it's just it's an absolute big league experience and then you get shipped out to Beloit Wisconsin where no one cares about you there's 200 fans at a game you're having 11 hour bus rides it's it's just it's it's unbelievable how backwards it is so I think that is one of the biggest things I took away from um playing professional baseball is just, man, like those times at Arkansas were amazing. And that's something that we tell, uh, 
we tell the kids that are they have a decision to make out of high school in terms of are we going to sign professionally right as an 18 year old or are we going to go to Arkansas? Um, you know, that that three year experience you get here is it's second to none. And I, I like that you bring up recruiting. Um, I feel like with recruiting, you know, at a school like Arkansas, you know, it's an elite level school. And with the MLB draft, there are kids that make that transition right out of high school and go straight to the major leagues. And I guess the minor leagues for that instance, and kind of how that's, it's really the only sport that kind of works like that, where you could just go off and make that jump and it, it could leave schools like Arkansas and the Vanderbilts of the world kind of with their hands behind their back. Like we get, we signed this five-star kid and now he's off to go play in the minors for the Yankees or whatever. So how kind of how is is that a difficult thing that you guys kind of have to go through? Um, and when, like, how do you offset that knowing that a lot of the guys you sign, they're so talented that they may not even be suiting up in the Cardinal colors. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah. So I guess in terms of it, 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 a lot of the kids that we have uh, committed are super transparent with what they're wanting to do. Um, and you, you, you have a, you have a pretty good idea of the guys that are going to sign and the guys that aren't. So I guess in that respect, it's easy that you, you very rarely get truly blindsided. So you have, you've got some time to prepare for guys that are, uh, I'm trying to think of this most recent uh, class. Mason Wynn was a, was a big one, right-handed pitcher shortstop, who I think was taken in the second round by the Cardinals. Like we had a pretty good idea for a while. Um, so we weren't really counting on him coming. Um, you know, we kind of, we kind of had a, we, we kind of um, had a replacement player, so to speak that, um, so we weren't, we weren't going to get caught with our hands behind our backs. Um, so, yeah, I think that just the players that we've had committed, just the quality of people are, have been super transparent with us. And uh, there haven't been a lot of instances that I've been a part of where it's just out of nowhere, this kid signs. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's good insight. I've, I always have wondered kind of how that works. And I'm sure a lot of schools probably don't really have to worry about that issue because they may not you know be at the at the level that Arkansas is at um but kind of jumping around so I was I went to a game this year sitting you know by the behind the first base dugout and I believe it was the middle of the sixth inning heading into the home half of the sixth and you know the the, the chicken dance song plays and you know everybody in the stadium hears that like normal and then all of a sudden everybody starts chanting like Bobby chicken and just over and over and it's getting louder and louder. And I'm looking around like, what's going to happen? Is there a guy named Bobby that's going to jump out with a chicken on his head or something? And then I see you give the little chicken dance wiggle. And I, I kind of want to talk to you about, I've, I've never really known that was a thing, but I talked to some people around me and they said, yeah, like we've been doing it for many, many years. So kind of tell me about your experience with Bobby chicken and you know, have you perfected the dance moves and kind of did it throw you off the first time around? Well, I definitely have not perfected the dance move. That's the easiest question you've asked all time. Uh, all, I don't, I, that'll never happen. I'll never be able to perfect that. But um, I, I didn't know that was a thing either. So I remember our first game at home. Let's see. We started on the road. At, I think it was SEMA was maybe our first home series. If my memory serves me correctly. Yep. And they, and I didn't know that was a thing, like from playing here, from being a fan, like I, I didn't know that was a thing. So I'm hearing, you know, Bobby Che, I'm like, am I going to do that? Like, come on. And I got a lot. And it just, it, it's not even a choice. You just had, I just had to do it. 
Um, and so someone in the dugout said, yeah, like, why'd you wait so long? Like, I, I, I had no idea. So that first game, I kind of learned that that's a thing. Um, and so now I try to time it like when the, the pitcher is about ready to deliver a pitch and maybe it, maybe it buys us a ball. I don't know. So that's, I like to think of it as there's a little bit of strategy on when you, uh, when you deploy the chicken. Oh, that's genius. So do the, are the umpires, are they talking to you? Like, dude, what, what the heck is going on? Like, or are they used to it by now that I came in? Like they're, they're going to be yelling it at you. Like, do they ever try to invite themselves in to do the dance with you or like, who that hasn't happened yet. We should, I should try to make that happen this weekend. Um, there's actually some, some umpires that have been in the league for a while that have a lot of feel and know like exactly what our fans are doing, which is really cool. Um, like they'll ask about hog notches, hog notches. They'll ask about certain things, which is neat. Um, but yeah, sometimes I'll just ask the umpire, how long do they want to go? And almost always they're like, you, we can, we can stop it right now. So it's, I imagine it's gotta be, I mean, you, you gotta be getting a good arm workout when you're, you've got to be holding, you know, all the gear from the guys that are, that are running around. And I mean, this is, I was looking at the numbers today. I mean, the on-base percentage is like top 10 in the country. The walks, I think we're second or fourth in the country. And, you know, that's great and all, but sometimes people don't think about the first base coach that has to hold all that smelly gear. People I mean, don't think about me. You're exactly right. Poor old me having to hold too many uh, Evo shields. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got uh, – yeah, thankfully we've got Matthew Schluterman, who's been a uh, – He's our bad boy and he's been shoot. This is his freshman year of college and he uh, just loves the hogs and he grew up going to the games um, and he does a great job of busting his butt to me and helping me, helping me out with those elbow pads. So got to, got to give Schluter a shout out. What is your, I think I have an idea, but I want you to say it first. What is your favorite memory from being a Razorback? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be the, that 2015 I don't know if it's game three of the super regional and Omaha, that's it all kind of like runs together for me, but just, mm-hmm. you know, you tell, you tell a 14 year old, 15 year old Bobby that he gets to experience that. Like, I don't think I would have believed you. And just, you know, I just memories that I I'll hold for the rest of my life. And just, those are, you know, my closest friends, you know, most of them at my wedding, in my wedding, just guys that I'm going to, you know, have a relationship with the rest of my life. And I think just, what made that that memory even more special, like we were talking about earlier, is like that wasn't a good team. Like, we weren't that good a player. We had a the Heisman Trophy winner in Ben Attendee, and that was that was about it on the position player side. So just that kind of ragtag group finding finding a way to to play in Omaha at the end of the year is just uh, yeah, that's there's not really a close second. I want to get your thoughts to uh, 2015 SEC tournament against Florida. Um, you guys are heading into the top of the ninth down. Oh, I want to say six to four, six to three, maybe. And Ben Attendee leads off with the home run. And then I don't know if it was Tyler Spoon or somebody gets on first. And then you come up and down by one, deliver a moonshot out to left field to put the hogs up by one. Ben Attendee homered for the 18th time in the first pitch of the inning. Brought them within a run. Pitch to Wernis. Swing and a drive into left field. Way back it goes. You gotta get out of here! Bobby Wernis with a go-ahead home run. Oh my goodness. A bomb over the left field fence. They've scored three times in the ninth. And on Bobby Wernis's fifth of the season, the Hogs take a seven to six lead. If you can remember it and just kind of the emotions that were running through you that game. 
Yeah. So I definitely remember the end of it. I, I remember it was a lot of pitches and I remember that game. I mean, the SEC tournament is just so nuts and like, games are always delayed anytime. So that game, I think it was probably at one in the morning <laughs> Eastern time. So it would have been noon. Um, well, shoot, is Hooper Hoover Eastern or Central time? I think it was probably Eastern time, but I, I don't know. Either way, it was very, very late. Um, and I want to say it was about one o'clock local time. So we were just ready to get home. And uh, remember the pitcher, Bobby Pointer, who was one of the guys out of the pen. Good stuff. Um, and he just hung a slider. And I you know, wasn't trying to do too much. But it, as soon as I left my bat, I knew. And I was going, oh, my gosh, this game actually may end. We may be able to get home at a reasonable time. We didn't. Um, we still got home very late. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, – I mean, Florida was a national seed, an Omaha team. Um, you know, so to get, I mean, I guess from a team perspective to get that, a win against them late in the year, um, I mean, that could have helped us, you know, getting to go to Oklahoma state was a pretty, pretty favorable regional for us, both in proximity. And I think we matched up really well against Oklahoma state. Um, so yeah, I think just from a team perspective, getting that win against a high RPI team was huge. So looking forward to this weekend, uh, also against a Florida team. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, the game is tomorrow at six o'clock. I want to say, um, kind of what have you seen from the Gators? And I know you guys have been doing a lot of scouting. Um, kind of what can we expect from them? And, and from a clinching perspective, Arkansas needs two wins to clinch the regular season title, and then one win to clinch the Western Division title. So, is that you know, are people? inside the locker room kind of talking about those things or is that just, you know, don't want to let the, the, you know, the clinching stuff all get in your head. Yeah. I think, uh, I guess the short answer is no, you know, people aren't really talking about, uh, you know, the clinching stuff because I don't really think anything changes. Like I don't think it's really something like we got to ramp up to, because we have a chance to clinch. Cause if you have that ability to kind of ramp up, why weren't you doing it five weeks ago? Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of just the discussion, it's kind of business as always. Um, but, yeah, what Coach Van Horn said to the team, uh, this would have been today after practice. I mean, Florida's probably the best talent we're going to face um, all year in terms of just the individual players. And um, that's that's how it is almost every year. I mean, Florida, A, because of just where they're located, because kind of a recruiting hotbed, and B, I mean, their staff does a, does a great job recruiting and developing their guys. So you're always going to have – we're always going to have guys from Florida that, uh, that are going to make a lot of money um, in this game once they get drafted. So I think just from a uh, top to bottom, just the, the players themselves, I mean, it's going to be loaded with talent. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have our hands full. And then wrapping up here, I'll, I'll give you one final question. Um, kind of when you're, I guess, kind of another two-part question. I'm just killing you with the two-part questions today. but Loaded um, questions. Are you one to stick with? coaching is kind of where you're where you're headed and and if so if it's with Arkansas kind of what I guess do you want hog fans to remember coach Warnes as and um when it's I mean ideally I don't I'm not sure what you're planning on doing what your plans are I would assume it may be sticking with coaching but kind of kind of what do you want fans to remember you if if somebody listens to this podcast 50 years down the road and and coach, you're a Hall of Famer with Arkansas or wherever you may be. Kind of like there we go. I'll want, take that right now. Let's lock that in. Yeah. What do you want your like stamp? Like, what do you want people to be like? Oh yeah, that's definitely a awareness thing. Yeah. No, that's a great question. So I guess the easy part of the question is yes, I definitely 
coaching, coaching what, what, what's in my heart, what I want to do. Um, man, I've known that since I was probably 12. Um, I just, I, I got to play for some great coaches, middle school, high school, college, and they just had such an impact on me as a person. Um, I kind of, I, I want to have that same impact on, on other guys. Um, so yeah, coaching is definitely what I want to do. Uh, and in terms of like what I want to be remembered by is I just, I want to be known as, you know, someone that just really loved the players and would do anything for them. Um, just how much I enjoy being out there, being in Arkansas. And I, I, I think that's very apparent by the way I go about my business, how much I love it. Um, how much I love being here, the, the people that I get to work with. Um, so yeah, I think if, that, if there's one thing that I, I could be remembered by, it's just how much I love doing it and how much I love the people, uh, people around me. That's awesome. How excited are you to have 100% capacity at uh, oh, Bomb Walker? Oh, it's awesome. We got 100% capacity at Bomb through the postseason. Just it's uh, it's over. You know, we were kind of talking in the office today. Like some of these freshmen haven't gotten to experience like a true, you know, a true home field crowd. Um, and it's been good with the limited capacity, but uh. I'm hoping they get a taste of it this weekend. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I hope, uh, hope in a few days we can say that we swept Florida and, you know, run through the SEC tournament and lock up a spot in the regional, super regional Omaha and come away with a couple banners. You and I both. You and I both. All right. That'll wrap up this edition of Razorback Algae Talks. Bobby, it was a pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Ben. You have a good one.